Chapter 9, Part 1 of Shores of the Polar Sea, a narrative of the Arctic expedition of 1875-1876. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Shores of the Polar Sea by Edward Lawton Moss. Chapter 9, Part 1. Meantime, our friends in the Discovery had passed the winter in not a little anxiety about our fate. Their efforts to communicate in autumn were no more successful than ours, and as spring slipped by and no news came, the suspense increased. Could it be that the alert had penetrated beyond the range of communication, or that any disaster had happened to her? It had been arranged that at the latest a party would reach the Discovery from her before the 1st of April and now march was nearly gone news however was close at hand the dog sledge clements markham had gallantly fought its way southward past the steep cliffs of robeson channel and when on twenty four march its crew rounded cape beachy and left the last of the cliffs behind them they knew their troubles were over next day they came to a recent sledge track and the dogs at once struck out like hounds on a fresh scent the last promontories were soon passed and as Discovery Bay opened out, a cheer from the galloping sledge brought a crowd of figures racing from the ship to meet it. In a moment, all were shaking hands in a storm of questions. Where was the alert? Had she passed Navy opening or got to President's land? And what were the prospects polewards? The arrival of the dog sledge was a signal for the immediate departure of the Discovery's sledging parties. A dog sledge was dispatched southeastward to Hall's Rest, to ascertain how far the stores left by the USS Polaris could be utilized, and then two eight-man sledges, the Sir Edward Parry and the Stevenson, under Lieutenant Beaumont and Dr. Coppinger, started for the north coast of Greenland, calling at Floberg Beach on their way, and being there joined by Lieutenant Rawson's sledge, the Discovery. They left the alert on 20th April and two smaller sledges helped them across ropes and channel and then left them to follow the rugged coast that we could see stretching far eastward to cape britannia another division of sledges with lieutenant archer and sub-lieutenant conaber pushed northward through lady franklin sound hoping to find it open northward like ropes and channel perhaps affording a smooth and direct route to the shores of the polar sea for next year's parties the discovery had passed a winter little if at all less severe than ours but in one respect she had been more fortunate no less than thirty-three musk oxen were secured in the autumn and thus a supply of good fresh meat was issued twice a week during the winter her routine and amusements were almost identical with our own but we heard with surprise of her skating rink and of dramas performed in a snow-built theatre on shore where a temperature many degrees below zero obliged the actors to appear muffled to several times the size of ordinary stage heroes after a short rest our dog sledge returned to the alert and reached her just a day too late to give the western and northern parties news from the discovery she was then at once dispatched to pioneer a high road to greenland across the narrowest part of the channel in advance of the discovery's detachment from this time the arrival and departure of sledge crews was a matter of daily occurrence numerous supporting sledges now travelling invariably in the hours called night arrived from greenland or cape joseph henry 
filled up with stores and left again each fully occupied with its own work and only catching an occasional glimpse of what the others were doing it was while all were thus actively employed that sickness the one sickness of the arctic regions appeared amongst us no one with medical experience of the disease can read the sledge journals of former expeditions without recognizing numerous indications of scurvy our parties more than five hundred miles north of where franklin was lost and in an unexpectedly colder and more lifeless climate had no greater safeguards than their predecessors accordingly each sledge crew that returned to the ship showed fresh examples of the exhaustion swollen and sprained ankles stiff knees and bruised and painful legs only too familiar to arctic travellers peterson already maimed by frostbite was its first victim he died on fourteenth may and on the nineteenth the few remaining on board carried him to his grave a spot on the top of a small hill halfway between the beach and the beacon on cairn hill was chosen because a long heavy slab suitable for a tombstone lay there the ground was frozen as hard as rock and it took three days hard work with pick and gunpowder to dig a grave three feet deep the slab afterwards rough-hewn by his messmates and an oaken tablet covered with brass marks where he lies as the season advanced signs of approaching summer began to appear on nineteen may the temperature for the first time in nine months rose above freezing icicles form from the projecting angles of the floebergs and it may here be remarked that icicles though very common in arctic pictures are rare in reality for they only form in the brief interval between winter and summer and last but a week or ten days signs of returning life began to multiply a sledge party returning from cape joseph henry on twenty first may brought in two ptarmigan snow white but for one solitary brown feather on the hen on fourth june one of us found a little brown caterpillar creeping on some uncovered stones and saw a flock of birds that looked like knots in some places the snow was softening into discoloured patches in others it was gradually leaving the ground light snow often fell but the tiny star-shaped crystals evaporated without wetting the brown slope of the hilltops there was as yet no water in the ravines but it was plain that the thaw was at hand a sledge party that got back to the ship on seventh june experienced very unsettled weather and had to wade through a good deal of soft slushy snow sometimes knee-deep the travelling season was fast drawing to a close and our extended parties had evidently little time left for their return just before tea-time on eighth june those of us who happened to be on board were startled by hearing lieutenant parr's voice in the captain's cabin he had come alone and we soon heard his tidings the whole northern detachment was broken down with scurvy and could not reach the ship without assistance and that must be immediate five men were already helpless on the sledges he had left them near cape joseph henry twenty-two hours before and had marched in the whole way there was neither time nor occasion to hear more every soul capable of pulling at once got orders to man relief sledges a dog sledge laden with immediate necessities started in advance to cheer them with the news that help was near it was advisable to follow lieutenant parr's footprints for once off the track that distressed party might easily be passed he had called at snow house point 
hoping to find a lamp and matches that would enable him to get a drink in the tent pitched there to assist returning parties but a wolf had gnawed the tent ropes and it lay flat on the snow near castle flow the tracks crossed and recrossed in a complete maze for there he had all but lost his way in a treacherous fog a short halt was necessary to rest and feed the dogs then we pushed on as before at length twenty-three hours after leaving the ship we caught sight of a figure seated beside a loaded sledge and resting his head upon his hands the two others staggered up helping a third between them and a moment after six men slowly emerged from among the hummocks dragging up a second sledge the wind blowing from them towards us prevented them hearing our first shout but they soon saw us and with a faint cheer limped forward poor fellows to meet us for a time our hearts were in our throats and no one could speak much hardly one of them was recognizable the thin feeble voices the swollen and frost-peeled faces and crippled limbs made an awful contrast to the picked body of determined men we had seen march north only two months before four lay packed amongst the tent ropes on the sledges only four for one had died soon after parr left them he was a private in the marine artillery and belonged to the victoria sledge poor porter george as the men called him had been one of the strongest and most energetic of the party they had dragged him on the sledge thirty-nine days others had been on longer and his death greatly depressed both crews they buried him deep in the ice not far from their camp and had made one day's march southwards when we met them the place was only a mile off so when the wants of the survivors had been attended to we walked back to see it sunlight streaming through low clouds of drifting snow made it difficult to see far but we soon recognized the little mound on the side of a flow hill a rough cross made of a sledge batten and a paddle and with a text written on it in pencil stood at the head they could do no more for him perhaps the sketch reproduced in this book may serve as a humble memento of our shipmate's grave the most northern of any race or of any time End of chapter 9, part 1